0: Hello and welcome to Business Line Podcast. This is Nikita and Virgis and in today's episode, we're going to talk about gaming ad monetization. To give you some background, the gaming ad industry has skyrocketed in recent years. In fact, FOCA suggests that revenue from the mobile gaming industry will continue to grow, surpassing 100 billion US dollars by 2023. Brands are seeing many advantages associated with advertising through games and these benefits include increased brand awareness, more leads and higher user engagement. However, many brands are yet to jump on the bandwagon, and there are two primary reasons behind this. The first one is that several marketers still believe that the gaming audience mainly includes teenage boys, thus limiting demographic appeal. The second reason is that although many marketers understand the benefits of in-game ads, they don't really know how to implement them. So that's why today we have Yashash Agarwal, co-founder of gaming solutions provider, GamesOp, to tell us a little bit more about how marketers can leverage games to make money. Hi, Yashash. Welcome to BusinessLine Podcast.
1: Hi, Nikita. Very, very happy to be
0: here. So today we're going to talk all about gaming ad monetization. Um, a lot of brands nowadays, they've been making money with games. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about this trend?
1: So, uh, uh I am a co-founder at games up games Op is, um, games Op started as a game distribution company. I'll, I'll take a minute to explain that. And is now, uh, you know, we, we are now more of a content distribution company. Uh, essentially what we started with is a, is a, is, is sort of a simple vision where we identified that, um. Uh, you know if you look at the kind of content that people consume online, it's generally sort of bucketable into four categories. People are either spending time reading news, uh, watching video content, uh, listening to audio content could be podcasts, could be music, or they're playing games, right? And interestingly, if you think of it um, for for news, for audio, or for video, uh, you don't have to install a new app each time there's a new content piece. you know uh, it's all on YouTube or Spotify or there's OTt platforms. Uh, but only for games, you have this friction, where every time you want to play a new game, you've got to do an app install. <clears throat> and we kind of figured that what if we were able to make game, game consumption somewhat simpler, you know? especially because uh, games, if you think of it, among all of these content formats, uh, they're the only content format that that actually does not have the friction of a language barrier. You know? or, or even if it does, it's the least of all of them. Right? News is, is all language, and same for audio video. Uh, and so that's how we started we figured what we wanted to do was we wanted to enable gaming experiences within within all the different apps that people usually engage with and just like how videos and audios and memes and you know news pieces go viral it's basically because they're omnipresent if we could do that for simple casual games then maybe we could really uh, sort of take casual games to their fullest potential right uh, and we do this with, by the means of uh, what's called html5 games these are web-based games that can seamlessly integrate inside other apps inside other uh, uh, websites uh, and users don't have to go through the friction of an app install to play html5 games or what is more colloquially called instant games um, with that context uh, to answer your question around um, apps and websites uh sort of using games as a new revenue stream i think that's very interesting. And we've seen this trend evolve over the last, um, say four or five years. Uh, initially it, I'd say it did not, or does not always start with the monetization objective. I think, uh, folks who are defining some of these trends approach it more from an engagement perspective, where they want everybody in this digital ecosystem is chasing more and more engagement and retention, right. And, and games are a great way to do that because let's say you are on uh you know uh, a ticket booking app right and you're done with booking a ticket you don't need to book a ticket every day that app has a certain cadence you'll only come to it maybe once a month if if that's your travel frequency right Uh, but what if in the process you were to discover a simple game that you like now that's good enough reason for you to come back to that app even if you don't have to book a ticket right and and it could very well be that and especially with the rise of these uh, sort of you know uh, multi-purpose apps. Right? Most apps want to do several things. Uh, you see this in Swiggy. You see this in, in a bunch of other apps. Uh, what happens is you discover a game that might be good enough reason for you to visit that app one more time. And in the process, you might discover um, uh, you know another offer that's going on in the app. So it actually feeds into a nice virtuous cycle. As and when people start to consume more games within these apps, within these websites, naturally you start to then as an app developer start to wonder, okay, I have X amount of engagement from users on my property. They are playing games. How do I make more money on the back of this engagement? And that's where monetization kicks in So I think the trend started more with people realizing that yes, there's a lot of people spending time playing games online and there's good games that are coming up. So if we integrate them and drive engagement monetization just follows naturally
0: so in fact i just saw this statistic today uh there are over 2.4 billion gamers in the world so that's a lot of people who are playing games so um what are the different ways through which um you know these apps and websites that you mentioned how can they generate income off a of free game
1: super yeah i think if one were to draw a Venn diagram i think there's going to be like a really large overlap between the people that are just consumers of digital internet and, and, and online gamers and that sort of opens up mm, several ways in which you know i've seen uh, people make money off of uh, or app developers websites generate and come off of, of free games um, for us as a company uh, there's a one-size-fits-all solution that we provide to the partners that integrate with us uh, there's over 4,000 apps and websites that have integrated games of games onto their properties and they are driving engagement and monetization uh, how do they drive monetization, or how do they generate income? off of our free games, uh, what happens is, let's say, uh, you know, we'll take an example of, let's say, an Airtel, which has uh, which has games uh, from games up within the Airtel Thanks app. Uh, they could very well uh, just allow us, or or sort of have games up run advertisements within the games that are played by their users, and we would do a revenue share with them. It's a very very simple integration. Uh, and a very simple way for any app developer to focus on their core expertise and let games or any other partner that they have for games do what they do best, which is to get good quality content and monetization. So ads uh, is definitely one easy way. Um, and, and for, uh, just like us, uh, what, what we've done is we've spent a lot of effort sort of getting the ad stack, right? So the simple flow there is users play games. Uh, they are shown interesting contextual ads and whatever ad revenue is generated, uh, is split between the game developer as well as the um uh, in the the website or the app in this case so games up in the app in this case um, some uh, companies interestingly have deeper integrations um, to give you an example let's say let's say you you are an e-commerce app uh, what you could do on the back of some of our games is you could say that while ads are definitely one way uh, i want to drive sales with games right and how do we drive sales with games uh, an interesting way could be what if you were to say create a leaderboard right and and you were to tell your users that play some of these games it's anyway a lot of fun to play and if you're in the top 100 spots in the leaderboard by the end of the day you'll get some special discount offers now that discount offer would have a much higher recall because you've spent some time sort of trying to earn it even if it was just playing a game and that indirectly contributes to your sales funnel right so there are some one-size-fits-all solutions as well as some you know deeper uh, uh, more contextual uh, ways to generate uh, income off of these games.
0: And I think as per my, my understanding, there are mainly two kind of uh, in-app ads, right? One is static and one is dynamic. Um, the static ones usually appeal to you know the subconscious mind. They're integrated into the game, um, kind of like how we see Apple products being used um, by characters in movies. Um, and dynamic ads are more in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you rec- do you recommend static or dynamic in-game ads for brands?
1: Um, I, I might be wrong here, but I'm guessing it's the opposite. I guess the mm-hmm. static are the ones that are more in your face and the dynamic ones are the ones that are more placed in, in but, but you know that's just terminology. I think to answer mm-hmm. your question more fundamentally, I, I would guess uh, you know, they they're both important and, and, and sort of uh, you, a game developer can't do away with uh, either of them. Uh, why is that because um, the, the, the way this space works most gaming companies are not directly in touch with the advertisers right there are other stakeholders which are ad networks that come into play and what ad networks do is that um, you know if uh, for any developers listening to this they, they might be familiar these are basically solution providers you integrate their code into your game and and they start to magically show a lot of ads right and they manage all the relationships with advertisers so now what happens is these static ads right the ones that that are the standard squares or rectangular ads that you see uh, they are the way they are because that allows for a more globalized standard if if let's say uh you know a flip card decides to spend x amount of money in advertising it's easy for them to have a certain set of sizes in which their ads are going to be and those sizes will work across the spectrum of all apps and games right and so Generally, as an app developer or web developer, you would find that if you serve a certain number of ads to your users, you'd find that maybe 80%, 85% of them would, I mean, you know, for, for, for most developers, maybe even a higher percentage, share. Uh, unless you have a direct ad sales team, uh, these would be driven through ad networks. And so you're sort of, you, you know, um, uh, required to use these sizes, some ad networks have started to also offer uh, more dynamic ad formats, but then again, there's. Uh, another ad terminology, which comes in, which is the concept of fill rates. You know, you might have a hundred spots to show ads, but are there enough advertisers creating ads in those sizes? Uh, you know, let's say I have a football game and I want to run an ad, uh, which, which is placed right behind the goalpost, you know, are there enough advertisers creating ads in that one size for my game? Maybe not so much. Right. Uh, and so there, that that's why, uh, as an app or a, or a web developer, or in fact, in this context, uh for a game developer it's really important uh to have a balance of both dynamic as well as static ads uh so that revenue can be suitably optimized
0: uh, a static and dynamic ad the main difference is the size am i right
1: yeah so so there's this organization called the iab uh, mm-hmm. the international i believe it expands to the international advertising bureau i have to check the full form. Right. but what these guys do is they define a bunch of standard ad sizes that all ad networks around the world, except from their advertisers. So if I want to go and advertise my brand, I'll go to Google AdWords and I'll put some money in and I'll say that, look, this is a product I want to advertise. And Google would tell me that, okay, you can give us certain ads, which are of these acceptable sizes, right? And so there are these common sizes and, and what happens with common sizes is that when, when an app developer or a game developer wants to now run ads, they expect that most ads in the ecosystem are going to be in one of these five or 10 common ad sizes. So those are static ads. Those are the ones that you see more in your face. They could be interstitials. They could be, you know, they're, they're different sizes. Uh, dynamic ads, I would say are more contextual to your game. So let's say I have a racing game and somebody's driving my car in, in a racing game. So you could, you could have that car branded. There could be branding within that car. You could have billboards within the car racing game, and there could be actual ads within that game. But then you have to ask yourself, are there enough advertisers creating ads specifically for my game, which might be the, the, answer to that might be a no, right, because an advertiser doesn't always create ads with a particular app in mind, an advertiser wants to have their ads across apps and across websites, right? So they want to work on general, common standard sizes. If some games do really well uh then you might have advertisers that start to you know uh, target uh, let's say this this kind of inventory within the games which could be the car which could be the billboards which could be you know different different things like that with the example that you took of say apple placing phones inside movies right mm-hmm. so uh, but but they wouldn't place 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 their phones inside every other show or every other movie. Right, it's it's the ones that they know will be really big that they, they sort of do that extra custom effort. in.
0: Right. So I think I think that's shed quite a bit of light on that. Uh, I also wanted to talk to you about native banners. Why do companies often use these native banners as an in-game ad format? What's the why is the popularity over here? Um, I think
1: I think native ads or dynamic ads are uh, sort of two sides of the same coin. I'd say. I think. The, the emergence of this happened, uh, mostly because uh, anybody who's, you know, customer first and focused wants to make sure that their ads are as less intrusive as possible. They should not really be annoying and it should be contextual and meaningful. Uh, so what native ads mm, basically offers to users is that if. You know, think of it, think of it like an Instagram feed, right? If you're scrolling through Instagram, there are ads that you see, but they don't stand out so much, you know, because it, it really, Gels well with the interface of that app, and it looks and feels like just another post uh, from from another profile that you follow. And so that is what native ads are. You know, uh, if if it merges well with your interface, uh, that's what that's what one calls native ads. Um, companies want to, they prefer to use native ads because naturally it 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 sort of is less intrusive, creates for a better user experience. Um, uh, but then again, I think this is a choice that app developers and game developers must make because uh the, the the more you want the ads to be matching the look and feel of your product or in the previous example we talked of, if you want an ad that fits on the car of your game or in a billboard you need to have that much traffic that advertisers want to work with you directly and want to make that custom effort of customizing their ads for your platform. but if you're just starting out then chasing native ads or you know in-game dynamic ads might actually not have as much return as as they would on a much much larger user base
0: Understood. So I think the opposite of native ads would kind of be interstitial ads, right? They're very, they're sort of annoying. Whenever I I use uh, reading apps, you know, they just pop up when I move on to the next chapter. And then you have to wait for a few seconds before you can close them. So how do companies or brands get around, you know, this annoying nature of interstitial ads? Do they use any creative approaches or strategies to do this? Yeah,
1: I think uh, I think uh, yeah 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 you're right that uh, these can be annoying uh, but I think one one way in which companies can work around that is um, uh, there are these things which are now coming up which are called rewarded ads so it, it can be more opt in based you know you, you took an example of a reading app uh, and what if uh, this app was to balance it off by saying you know if if you watch an ad uh, you don't have to pay for this book or you you, you can at least Extend your free trial to five more pages, uh, and so that's meaningful and it's opt-in based. So it gives you two options: uh, you either pay for the rest of the book or watch an ad and continue. So uh, this trend of rewarded ads is also really, really uh, popular within the gaming space. You would often have, let's say, you crash your car in a game, and 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 you know you've got to start over. Uh, there might be an option to just watch an ad and and resume from where you left off, uh, and it's completely opt-in. So so at that point, when it's opt-in, it's not so annoying anymore so
0: i think that's one way that um, you know brands can really engage consumers a little more and since it's something that they're volunteering to do it's not um, it doesn't get as annoying um speaking of uh, speaking of you know trends uh, there's also this concept called adver gaming um that has been uh, trending recently so what do you think about that well i
1: think uh, um what are adver games right adver games are essentially games that uh, that are built um uh, with with the objective of of communicating the purpose of a of a brand uh right it's it's an advertisement plus a game in, in a sense right so i think uh, you know um uh, the way i look at it is consumer tastes are evolving and people want to play the games that they really have fun playing and so if if one wants to build an advocate uh it has to be a natural fit in a certain game theme now what do i mean by that let's say think of Harley Davidson, right? probably the, probably the biggest brand in the world why I call them the biggest brand, not, not so much by maybe market cap and all of that, but I, I don't know of many of the brands which people tattoo on their bodies, right? It's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's insane for a brand to be able to get people to do that. Now, if Harley was to work on a motor motorbike racing game, that probably could be an advert game and it might be a great fit because it it's a natural fit mm-hmm. uh, you have restaurant management games right if a chef and I think there's a Gordon Ramsey game uh, but if and, and that's a natural fit because it, it ties in well with the theme of the game so I think it, if if somebody wants to if a brand wants to get into making an advert game it has to start backwards you have to identify wh- whether what your brand stands for aligns well with a certain game theme that actually is engaging enough because getting games built is not cheap they're expensive and if you're going so far as to invest that kind of money you might as well build a game that people want to play for the fun of the game Uh, and and your brands contextually placed there instead of of just sort of doing a force fit so I think uh, I think that's how I look at it but having said that uh, uh, the the kind of games I've seen do well are are more uh, the kind of games I've seen do well which one might call advert games are more uh ip focused so it could be you know something around the kardashians it could be something around as i said gordon Ramsay, or uh and, and not so much large corporate uh you know uh sort of uh, advo games is is is, is the way I've, I've seen this so more individual first uh more celebrity first than than the corporate or brand first as such
0: yeah so i mean i actually recently saw an advo game with uh, doritos that doritos did so essentially two gamers um, you know, they were to go on a virtual adventure and they just pick up Doritos, uh, as many Doritos on the way. So a lot of brands like this have been, uh, you know, kind of, uh, they've had their own creative take on advert games. And I was just wondering mm-hmm. what are some of the, some of your favorite advert games?
1: Uh, okay, that's an interesting question. So I think, I think the the, the example that you took, uh, a lot of brands do that. Uh, uh, but then you have to you have to also look at what the objective is. Let's say Doritos wants more engagement on their Facebook page or on their Instagram handle, then it's great for for them to do this, but they're very well aware that it's not a game that people would play for three months at a stretch. Right. So I think, and the kind of examples that we took earlier, let's say a Gordon Ramsey game or a restaurant management game, these are generally what one calls mid core games, the ones that have a longer shelf life. Um, so. So yeah, brands do make a lot of casual, hyper-casual games, um, uh, off the top of my mind, I don't recall my favorite adver games in, in the casual gaming nature, but I think there's some really fun games that, that, uh, uh that have played back in the day, uh, w- which, which were built around a, a bunch of celebrities that, uh, back then I, I, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, I would call myself a fan of, it's been a while that I've played some of those. Um, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, uh, I, I I don't have a clear answer of what my favorite Adver game would be.
0: No worries, no worries at all. Uh, I think with that, we can draw this conversation to a close. Thank you so much, Yashash, for coming on here and talking to us.
1: Thank you, Nikita. It's been a pleasure to be here.